superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now commencing. This is the Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ryan Leaf. We're speaking with head Baylor football coach Dave Aranda. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. You know, football is a platform to show the world who you are as a person. Earlier on the show, host of the Fantasy Footballers podcast, Andy Holloway. Coming up, two-time Super Bowl champion, Max Starks. Tampa Bay Times Bucks beat writer, Rick Stroud. Plus, Florida State head coach, Mike Norvell. And now, sitting in for Rich... It's Ryan Leaf. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Ryan Leaf here, filling in for Rich, uh, alongside TJ Jefferson, Ooh, Michael yeah. Del Tufo, Chris Brockman. Uh, like to bring in our next guest. Um, uh, big fan of his. Um, worked together a bit with him, but uh, really admire his his run as a, a two time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers. My team, right, growing up, mm-hmm. uh, protecting Big Ben Roethlisberger during his tenure there. Now uh, an analyst for SiriusXM as well as their sideline reporter um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome to the show, Max Starks. Max, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing good, Ryan. And as always, good to be back on the airwaves with you, bud. Yeah, it is uh, fun to be with you, too. Um, So Mike Tomlin uh, steps to the mic today and announces that uh, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, who was signed in the offseason, is going to get the first preseason start. I know this doesn't necessarily mean anything, but how are you reading the tea leaves there, and what have you seen in practice with this quarterback competition? Well, uh, Mitch Trubisky, you know, has obviously earned the right to be the starter for a Saturday's game against the Seahawks, and he's taken the lion's share of the the number one uh, in drills. So... No surprise there, and the depth chart dictated that, even though Mike Tomlin will tell you the only reason I gave you a depth chart is because the league mandated that I gave you a depth chart. Right. But for all intents and purposes, you know, Mr. Bisky has done those things. He's gotten progressively better from the start of camp to where we're at today. Now, this afternoon, um, in about, about a half an hour to 45 minutes from now, they're going to step on the field and have another padded practice, another competitive uh, practice uh, before the game. And Mitch is just steadily been better you can see where the decision making and the feel for the wide receivers and where he can put the ball for those wide receivers to go out there and make a competitive catch and and work down the field he's doing a better job of that mason rudolph you know it's funny you know he's been in this system he has a year leg up on mitch but he's been actually the most accurate passer in this offense it's just i think with the athleticism of what matt kansas is trying to do mitch has shined in those moments a lot of rollouts you know, off-platform type of throws on the run. He's, he's excelled at that. But when it comes to just pure just passing from the pocket, I mean, Mason's been that better quarterback. And then Kenny Pickett is coming along. I think he had his best day yesterday in practice as far as passing and the relationship with the receivers. But you can see there's still some time that's needed. So for this competition, I mean, it, it, it's a pretty good competition. I think it really comes down to 10-2, and two, which is Mitch and uh, Mason Rudolph. As far as who's going to take those starting dues, I think Kenny Pickett's a good guy that – throws a beautiful fade ball he has some great decisions that he's making but it's still coming a little bit slower than i'm sure the coaches would like and especially when you're talking about working with a third team offensive line it gets a little tough and i think he's done a good job handling that he does better when he's with the twos but i think it's right now it's a two-horse race in that in that competition in in that aspect for the coaching staff and maybe the organization are they are they you know would they rather have kenny pickett kind of develop this season rather than really kind of be pushing 
one of those two others for a real starting role because of what it may look like as a rookie. What's the what's the team's um, position around where Kenny Pickett drafted in the first round um, sit this season? Well, I think if you ask the coaches versus the fans, you'll get two completely different answers. Right. The fans want Kenny Pickett, right? He's the native son. He's the guy that literally was on the right side of the, of the building, moving to the left side of the building because the Panthers and the Steelers all train at the same complex. Um, but when you look at it, I think you'd rather have Kenny be be a guy who can watch. I think you think of, like, Phillip Rivers, right? You think of Aaron Rodgers. You think of – a lot of quarterbacks who, who sat for a year and then gone on to just have tremendous careers. I think from that perspective, you would rather have Kenny sit. You know, now Ben Roethlisberger was going to sit, but necessity and injuries pushed him to the starting role. I think they'd like the same thing. I don't think they want to come out and name him a week one starter because then what's the point of bringing in Mr. Bisky? You know, what's the point in re-signing Mason Rudolph if the rookie's going to come in and just blow everybody out the water? So I think it's one of those things where it's a process. It's a maturation and I think they would rather see him sit for a year and let the other two duke it out and lead the helm for a year, and then come next year training camp, then we make that transition to really giving Kenny a sense of, you know, he's, he's going into a position more mature, ready to take the reins, and it's a team that's also ready to receive him. So this is the first, we're talking to Max Sparks, uh, Steelers sideline reporter, two-time Super Bowl champion, offensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, this is the first camp, right, in a long, long time that Ben Roethlisberger hasn't been at the helm at the quarterback position. Uh, what's the leadership qualities he had, all the things that go into it to have stability at the quarterback position? What, what's it been like? Have guys on the defensive side of the football, have uh, others have to, have to step up? What's it been like without Big Ben uh, not there this year for camp? Well, I think it, it, it's clear – that you're missing kind of the true quarterback leader on the squad, right? A guy that when you could look to offense or defense, right? Defense would look to Ben when they needed help or they're in a pinch, and Ben would say, you know what, let's throw it on my back, let's go ahead and let's go out and battle. We need to help our defense out. I think now you're looking at it, and it becomes more of uh, leadership by committee um, because, you know, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, they've got the defense on lock. Minka is another leader on that defense. So you have the triangle of leadership on the defensive side of the ball. But when you get to offense, offense is a lot younger crew. Now, there's some veterans on this squad. When you look at James Daniel and Mason Cole, but those guys were brought over in free agency. Um, your wide receiving core, you know, you're looking to guys like Chase Claypool, like Deontay Johnson, who are, who are those unequivocal leaders in that room because they've been here the longest. But you don't see multiple numbers and years <laughs> behind them. This isn't like seven, eight-year receivers and then you look in the running back room. I mean, Najee Harris is a, is a clear clubhouse leader at the running back position, but he was a rookie this time last year. Pat Fryer moved for all intents and purposes. He was a rookie last year. So when you're looking around, it's going gonna, it's gonna to turn to Mitch Trubisky, but Mitch has to gain the trust of the team. And you know that, Ryan. As a quarterback, when you have to be able to step in that huddle and get that confidence from them, and he's earning it. And I think he'll earn that first stripe come Saturday when he starts out with the ones as they go, in, go into Akershire Stadium. But at the same time, there isn't a clear guy that's like the standout that's been here for a while. So I think that void is there. And then also that trust, right? Trust that Ben Roethlisberger can bring you back late in the game. You know, we don't have that yet. We don't have that sense because we haven't done it yet. They haven't really had that practice of going through a game, being down, and looking to a guy like Seven to come and pull you out of, out of the fire when things get tight. But they will develop it. But right now, that's where we're looking at. It's more of a committee and guys kind of leaning on each other and having a collective voice versus one person speaking for the team. Uh, you could argue that the uh, AFC North uh, is one of the most competitive divisions in all of football, right right up there with the AFC West uh, this season. Uh, and normally it's been really Pittsburgh and Baltimore, but Cleveland over the last few years and Cincinnati, of course, after last year, have reemerged in this conversation, right? And uh, probably one of the most unknown situations is what, what, what happens in Pittsburgh. What, what are the expectations for this team? Mike Tomlin, of course, never having a losing season as a head coach in Pittsburgh. What are the expectations for this team heading into this preseason? Well, I think the expectation is, is to take a step forward. That's the first thing. The first step is, you know, at this point in the year in preseason, it's not a team yet. It's a bunch of guys trying to become a team. You have 90 trying to become 53. So the biggest thing is taking a step forward, 
you have an opportunity, not wasting that opportunity to shine bright on the national stage when this game is televised. And you get to go and do it against somebody that you don't have to walk in the locker room or the dorm room afterwards and explain yourself about why you got hit. I think this is that first opportunity. But I think for the Steelers as a whole, when you're looking globally at what the expectation level is, the expectation level is to go out there and compete and be competitive this year. Just because seven's not a quarterback, you have a, you have a great defense who's coming back and really resurging last year was a down year from the obviously the rushing yards per game given up. They were last in the league, but you also know that there was injuries and everything else. This That group looks healthier. It's still five years in a row leading the league in sacks year in and year out. So we know they can press when you get teams in the passing situation. The biggest question mark is going to be that offense. Can you get off to a fast start? Last year, 37 first quarter points, Ryan, in 17 games. 37 total. Right. Not in, if not once. That is that, that that puts your defense at a very stressful situation. So the biggest thing is going to come out, prove that you can get off to a fast start. Prove that this Matt Canada offense is explosive and it can put points on the board. That's going to be the first thing. And then that's the first step that they, they really want to take. And then for the defense, it's shoring up that run defense, showing that a team like Seattle who's coming in committed to running the ball, can you stop them from running the football? Those are the first two things I'm looking for this Saturday. We're talking with Max Starks here on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line. Uh, two-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, an offseason in which something very near and dear to your heart, the, the name of the stadium that you were uh, that you played your entire career in, um, gets, a, gets a new facelift. What, I, I mean, there was kind of a viral response to it. Um, it, it is part of what the, the, you know, the business world is now, but what was your takeaway when the, when the change went away from Heinz Field? Well, I think the, I, I had the same reaction as a lot of fans. I was like, what? What do you mean it's not Heinz Field anymore? And what is Acrisure? I don't even know what Acrisure is. And you're like, why are they coming in and ruining a Pittsburgh tradition? Because, you know, you had the Heinz Ketchup factory that's literally right on the north side, the same side as the stadium. You still see the, the, um, the memorial, like the, the smokestacks from, from the factory still standing, and now it's like lofts and everything else. But that's just as Pittsburgh as it gets. And so to see the ketchup bottles being, being lowered, I watched the video of them being lowered from the end zone because obviously when you hit the Heinz red zone, the ketchup bottles tilt and they pour into the screen and it's a cool moment. But now for it to be accurate, I mean, that's the growth and that's where we are from the business side of the NFL. If there's an opportunity for these organizations to make money, to continue to build their brands, you know, when you see the Denver Broncos going for the exorbitant amount of money for billions of dollars, you have to wonder, okay, well, what can we do to maximize our profits as well so that we can stay viable and continue to grow this game and also grow you know, the arm of the NFL as far as their philanthropic you know, efforts and interests as well as just growing this game internationally. you got you, you got to build the war chest, right, before you want to go out and, and conquer across the ocean. So I think that's just kind of the nature of what it is. It's a natural thing. We'll get used to saying Acrisure Stadium instead of Heinz Field over time. But, uh, it, you know, it's one of those things where you see a little bit of the nostalgia kind of go away and it becomes something new. And hopefully, you know, you could build a new tradition for whatever quarterback it is, Pickett, Trubisky, Rudolph. Now you can start building your own name. Ben had all the Heinz Field records. Now see if you can get some Acershire Stadium records. I like it. I like it. Uh, you talk about legacy and history, right? Uh, I grew up a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, right? Uh, growing up yeah. in Montana, we didn't have uh, a pro team anywhere, so... Um, we had relatives in Pittsburgh, and they would send along the uh, uh, the iron beer cans with the team oh, yeah. the team picture on it. Um, and I loved the black and yellow and Terry Bradshaw. And I've watched it over time. And what's been so impressive about this organization, and you can speak firsthand to this, is what the Rooney family has been able to do. Right, uh, three head coaches in 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 the in the time frame I've been alive and being a Steelers fan. I mean, the consistency, the winning, the pedigree, and uh, the tradition is, is unparalleled, I believe, in this, in this league. Speak to that a little bit, what the Rooney family has done and the tradition and history of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, we all know, you know that year is 1970, really. Uh, you have the AFL-NFL merger, but you have something else. You have this influx of talent. A guy by the name of Joe Green gets drafted. <laughs> and... And from that point forward, we know that's the origin of what we know the Steelers to be. A new standard was set. We can go back into the 60s and the 50s and the 40s. Of course, they were founded in 1933. 
but that's a checkered past, right? There was a, there was a year they even they formed during World War II where they formed with Philadelphia and became the Steagles. You know, there, there's a lot of history, but 70 is a defining moment where you hire Chuck Knoll the year before, and then he is his first draft class. And then we know what the 70s are. That That is the Steelers' decade. When you're talking about decades for NFL teams, that was the Steelers unequivocally. And from there, a standard was set. And the standard was we're going to be tougher than everybody else out there. We're going to play a physical brand of football, and that has transcended. That's one of the things that when we think about the Steelers, whether it's a Steeler fan or not, you think of Pittsburgh, you automatically, ooh, that's going to be a rough game. That's going to be a physical altercation uh, when, when you step in that stadium or when they come into ours, and you knew you were going to feel it the next week. And I think that's kind of what's permeated. It started with the steel curtain and it's carried on today. And that's one of the things I think about and what makes it special. And, and, it, and it starts with the steadiness at the top. The Rooney name has been associated with leading this franchise since its inception. And to be passed down from father to son and to now father to son, again, it's, uh, it's something that you don't take for granted. And, you know, this is my first year coming back for training camp. I was hired last year to come in in the sideline uh, duties when, uh, you know, the great Tunch Ilkin passed away. And, and I was asked if, if I could come in and not replace, but simply come in and, and assist with the broadcast because right. you can't replace touch. But, you know, it, being around the guys, being here at St. Vincent's, which before COVID, 54 straight years where training camp was held here in Latrobe, PA, at St. Vincent's College. So every Hall of Famer that we know in the modern era has started here on those same exact fields that we practice on today. And that's the proving ground, right? That's the forge before you can make steel. You come out here to become a team that then goes down to Pittsburgh and performs on every Sunday and every other football day. And I think that's that's an important thing. But the Roonies are here. You see them every day. Mr. Rooney's in the lunchroom. I, was, I just saw him earlier. And you see everybody around this organization just embrace it. Coach Tomlin, we had a, had, a, had a conversation with him, you know, in the dorms. Everybody's available and everybody's growing. And I think that's something that we don't get in a lot of places. You know, you know, I, I had I had the unfortunate opportunity to go to San Diego and I went to St. Louis and it was just, it was different. And now those teams are both in L.A., which is crazy. That <laughs> those two sites are no longer existent. But it's a different sense. And, and you see when it's an older organization that's been passed down through the history of the NFL and over five decades plus of security, it makes it crazy to think three head coaches. How many, how many coaches have the Browns gone through in the last six years? And if you think of the Steelers since 1970, yep. they've only had three total head coaches. And the current one is on his 16th season, and he's never had a losing season to this point. He has something to defend, and that's just tremendous. And all of them have Super Bowl victories. All three of those coaches have Super Bowl victories under their belt. And it just goes to show that the standard that they've created is just something that, you know, when you get here, you're somewhere special. Well, I, I know I know why I've loved them for so long, and, and this will be for uh, this will be another great year for me to follow my team. And I'm so happy that you're a part of it this year, and uh, you'll be my first call when I announce some insight on what's going on there in Pittsburgh. Max Starks, everybody, thanks for joining Absolutely. us, buddy. Man, thanks for having me, Ryan. Take care. Yes, sir. All righty, Max Starks, former two-time Super Bowl champion uh, there in Pittsburgh, now their sideline reporter. Um, this interests me. You know, you, you talk about TJ uh, and, and his love for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, you know, the Patriots uh, on your end, Chris Brockman. Yep. Del Tufo, what, what's your favorite football team? The Rams. The Rams? Yeah. I had never had a team, so I'm the Rams. You're the Rams. I took the Rams over when I paid enough for my season tickets. Okay. So I'm a Rams guy now. Okay. And I'm a Pittsburgh <laughs> Steelers fan. So we, now we know the origin of, of how you uh, how you become a fan. It's yes. it's about money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not a true fan. Not a true right. fan. So, uh, TJ, true TJ, fan. tell me how, how Dallas became your team. Well, you know, I grew up in the middle of Pennsylvania, so I'm, I was surrounded by Steelers fans, my whole family, Steeler country. But one of my earliest memories, and I don't remember the game. I just remember being a baby, probably sitting in front of the TV. I can remember Jackie Smith dropping the touchdown pass in like Super Bowl, let's say twelve or something. I don't, you know. I obviously I had to go back when I was older. 
and kind of rewatched yeah. it. But I think it was really Tony Dorsett. I kind of figured that out. He, I knew Tony Dorsett had gone to pit, and then he became a cowboy. And I like for whatever reason, like I said, I don't even remember Tony Dorsett from pit, but I just remember it's me and my mom tried to piece it together once that she was like, "You liked him. He played for the Cowboys," and so I, you know, but I. I I grew up around the Steelers. Like, like I said, Steeler country, Steelers fans. I, I, I didn't dislike the Steelers. I just didn't like Steeler fans because I was surrounded by them. You know? Maybe that, maybe, I, I mean, I found out pretty, pretty quickly about Steelers fans too. Um, passionate, bro. When, when they, yeah, passionate. And, and, what, and they found out that I was a Steelers fan and now they, they, they're like, they're not happy with me. <laughs> that Why? I'm a Steelers fan. They're like, we don't want you part of this. I'll rain down my judgment and we'll move forward. Yeah. <laughs> this is recent? Yeah. Yeah. I can't, because like, I don't think a lot of people knew I was a Steelers fan because I didn't talk about it, right? Until I started doing radio and things like that. Yeah. I didn't know until like last year you brought it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Then again, yeah. how could They're I not know? happy that I'm a Steelers fan. Well, we don't can, need you. You've been a Steelers fan longer than most of them. Probably. So Probably. Time to check themselves. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Mr. Brockman, why? Why the Patriots? When did that become and when did that happen? Oh, are you, so, are you a fan um, of the fan when they start winning championships or what? Tell me. Well, no, not really. I mean, look, my uh, my dad and my uh, mom's family are from Pennsylvania, so my dad's actually a diehard Steelers fan. So, uh, you know, I was fine with the Steelers uh, back in the day. And then uh, I was on the West Coast as a kid, um, so I liked watching the 49ers. But then we moved to Maine when I was 12. So 1993, Drew Bledsoe gets drafted. So I was kind of on board with the Patriots uh, starting back then. Good time to get it. Washington yeah. State quarterback coming to the helm. That's right. Yeah. He's a pretty good one. I used to have a Drew Bledsoe poster in my room uh, when I was at Washington State. It was a poster they made that had like 10 different pictures of him. And it said 10 reasons why Drew Bledsoe will kick your butt. <laughs> and it showed him making throws and it showed him... Uh, um, lifting weights and doing things like that. That's awesome. Like that was, you know, he was he was definitely a, a hero of mine. Yeah, so, so I was like nine or ten. I liked the, you know, I was a big Oakland A's fan. I loved Jose Canseco. And then uh, when we moved to Maine, I just kind of was like, I adopted all the Boston teams. Yeah, it's it's funny to hear some some of these stories around, you know, you know, making shifts and changes. Growing up in Pittsburgh, you know, in the in the Pennsylvania area, you on the West Coast and the forest. Like for me, like there was nothing else. Right yeah. there was. The University of Montana, and then it was Montana State University. Those are the two. Either you were a Grizz or you were a Bobcat. My dad had gone to Montana State. My dad had taken me to games. I loved the colors the Bobcats wore. Right, They were like blue and gold. And, and there was a guy named Kelly Bradley who was a quarterback, and they went on and won a national championship in like 1984, I believe. And uh, Dave Arnold was the head coach uh, who would go on to recruit me to Miami. I mean, there were so oh, many wow. ties into this and my dad and I fell in love with the Bobcats so that they were they were my college team right they were my college team um and and then you grow up and grow older and you you, you start to to realize that you know you're going to get a chance to go to college somewhere to, to, to play a sport but the professional aspect of all those things like in Montana there was nothing so there was TBS and WGN were on TV <laughs> in that state Braves or Cubs. so I was either going to be a Braves or Cubs fan <laughs> and I wasn't I, I don't know why I didn't, um, you know, fall on the side of, of Saratiana. Right. But I, I, I fell in love with Ryan Sandberg. Of course. Right. Who wouldn't? I was, thought I was going to grow up and play shortstop for the Cubs and turn two with Ryan Sandberg, me and the Sandman. Um, Sean Dunstan did a pretty good job. All right. We'll, we'll give him that. Um, the Hawk. Um, Andre Dawson. That was Andre Dawson. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, Mark Grace. Uh, Greg Maddox, when he started out. Right, he's really a cub. He's not a brave, Saratiana. If you're listening to this, all right. Um, <laughs> um, and so those in the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, were my football team. You know, I think my dad tried to get me into the Vikings. My dad's from. Oh, okay. He was a Vikings Twins uh, fan. Like you know, I, I remember the Kirby Puckett, uh, Kent Herbick days in yep. the in the uh, Homer Hankies and all that stuff. Oh, so yeah. I mean, I grew up all that. My dad was a Boston That's Celtics enough. fan. Okay. I grew up a, a Los Angeles Lakers fan because I wanted to kind of go against my my dad. And that I ultimately became a Seattle SuperSonics fan uh, because of Gary Payton uh, and that crew. And, and and that was a little bit later. So those those are some shifts and changes. But early on, I was like diehard Cubs, uh, Steelers. Those were the two ha that were in the initial ones and haven't changed. So, 
It's been a it's been a it's been a good ride with some. It's worked it's a out. Tough ride I mean, with the other, right? But you finally got oh, the God. Cubs ring. So, but I I told you about that. How it was just a miserable yeah. watching experience. Oh, well, of course. I, I mean, thought they were going to blow it. It was going to yeah. end, and I just had no faith. And I, game seven, I like was screaming and yelling, and my my wife looked at me like, "Who, who am I with?" It's like who, TJ. Who you you expect bad things to happen to the Mets because you're just conditioned to kind of feel that way. Now it's not the Mets necessarily, more so the Clippers. I'm conditioned Clippers, yeah, to true. feel like bad things. But the Mets fans friends that I have in my life, they just expect the Mets to blow it. Like they're still not buying. Oh, I'm 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 way beyond that because I'm telling you, I'm feeling something I haven't felt since like Ooh. 15. This team is TJ's got a tingle. This team is different, man. This is not the same Mets squad. And by the way, we've never been able to roll out Scherzer and DeGrom back-to-back. So this is – and here's another thing. I want to talk to you about MVP odds at some point because I think it's time that we put some respect on Pete Alonzo's name for National League MVP, the, the way he's carrying this – helping to carry this squad. I know Goldschmidt's favored, right, right now? But Pete Alonzo is – just balling. You gotta like yourself, some Pete Alonso. Yeah, I'm, I'm he's interested. He's behind Austin Riley and Freddie Freeman too. Who I'm interested. You know, I understand that. Yeah. We've been the best record in the in the league. Well, you know, now that the Dodgers have ever taken it, pretty much the whole year. Like, put some respect on the polar bear, Ryan. Come on, Freddie Freeman's been amazing. But yeah, I feel you. I'm excited to get out out east and 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 check these games out because I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take the rest of the year when I get out there and look into a little Mets. It's a good. It's a good year to start. I'll let you on. I'll let you on the bandwagon, bro. All right, I appreciate that. (laughs) TJ's gonna let me on the bandwagon. All right, when we come back. Yeah, we gotta go to break, but we got Jets news when we come back. All right, we got some Jets news when we come back here on the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Lee filling in for Rich. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience—the formula for winning championships—is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Ryan Lee filling in for Rich here. That was awesome to see Paul Rudd talking about a season. I can, that's something that that would be fun for me to do. I can do that, too, from the, that, that team. His numbers. His yeah. numbers and crazy. Uh, that, that team, me, Joe Green, Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, you know, Rocky Blyer, Mel Blount, all those guys on the offensive side. When I really started getting into the Steelers, though, at the end of that run, when I like remember, it was like, and when he said number 83, for me, number 83 was Lewis Lips. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Loose Lips sink ships, as I remember how it went. <laughs> and uh, Mark Malone was the quarterback after Bobby Brister. Those were kind of my, I went through some dark days there for a little bit. Yeah. You know, before uh, before Cower got in there at the end of the Chuck Noel era. Um, alongside TJ Jefferson, Michael oh, yeah. Del Tufo, Chris Brockman. Uh, you got some uh, you got some breaking news out of New York uh, around the Mackay Becton situation. Yeah, kind of what uh, what, what, what we got breaking news, Trump, Mike. 
<laughs> I don't know. I mean, breaking news. Oh, man. Production value. Mike. Well done. Well done, Mike. Uh, yeah, we kind of thought this earlier in the week when Makai Becton went down with a knee injury, kind of ending his season for the second year in a row. Uh, Five time Pro Bowl tackle Dwayne Brown signing with the Jets. So he's going to take over at that left tackle spot to protect Zach Wilson. As disappointed as Jets fans were this week when this news came, you have to feel a little bit lifted up with the um, great all-pro Dwayne Brown now making an appearance. Now, he's he's aged, right? I mean, he's, he's older. He played all 17 games a, w- a year ago, yeah, right? So Seattle, he, right. So, you know, let's see. But, I mean, if you're, if you're a Jets fan, you got to feel pretty good about who's stepping in to take on this role, right? Two-year deal for Dwayne Brown. Does um, does is it meaningful that that we're this far along in camp that he's coming in learning the offense or is this is this something as a right tackle he's got a pretty good hold on everything and is going to make it make it a pretty seamless transition? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, a guy who's had the type of career that he's had, uh, long career, been super super high level on on several teams, he's able to come in there. Plug and play. He's mercenary. Gonna, he knows what to do. He's going to protect Zach Wilson at all costs, and uh, it's go time. So that's good news for the Jets because obviously losing Kai Beckton, that's a pretty big, it's a pretty big piece to fall there. And then we're able to get Dwayne Brown to fill in. I mean, I, Jets fans got to feel good about that yep. today, even though I think they do to, for as as low as they may have felt when right. the news broke a couple days ago when we were here to hearing this news. I mean, this was always something on the horizon. My Dwayne Brown was at the the green and white game the other yeah, day. Yeah, he had been there all week kind of visiting the team, so it kind of felt like something was imminent, and they were able to get it done for a two-year deal. So Zach Wilson had a nice clip go viral yesterday. Did you guys see that? The sidearm pass, kind yeah. of Mahomes-looking throw yeah. that he hit. Uh, was it Elijah Moore that he hit? I'm in, not sure who he hit. Stride, but, yeah. but, yeah, it looked pretty good. Nice, nice. Opposite of the Tua clip that went viral yesterday of him throwing like a 40-yard out with a wobbling duck with, a, yeah. with five yards to nobody, but... You know, Though I will say, training camp, guys. he's looked incredibly good against the Bucks defense in the red zone. Tua has, Tua has, but also Skylar Thompson. So I don't know whether you would, you know, Skylar Thompson, the rookie quarterback out of Kansas State, he threw three touchdowns this morning apparently. Ooh. Uh, so they've had their way with the Bucks. Now we'll see. I mean, am, am I correct in in assuming that their um, their joint practices leads into a preseason game between the two? Usually that's the case. Uh, let me just double check. Um, usually that's the case where teams will jointly practice together. Right before they play in a game, and right? And then they end up playing each other. Uh, yeah, Bucks and Dolphins play on Saturday. Okay. All right. So, you know, you'd like to see it it play out um, on, on the practice field. And how, see much do you, how much stock do you take? I think it's awesome. I love it. The whole live tweeting and live video of these joint practices, of everything that's going on in training camp, you know, even like OTAs, like a guy went 11 for 13, but threw two picks. Uh, it's it's April. You know, I think that stuff is great. It's, it's pretty much meaningless, but this time of year, how much stock are you taking into some of the seven-on-seven seven numbers that come out, the videos that we see, the clips that kind of go viral? Uh, how much do they mean to you in the grand scheme of things? We're a month away from the season start. Right, they're, 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 there's no relevance in it for me. Uh, because what's practice for? It's to try new things. It's to try things right. out. It's to learn and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't want, I don't want just a, a, a news cycle over the entirety of training camp in a negative about something, right? I'm, I want to see flashes and things like that and see that you're learning and you're not making the, maybe the same mistakes again because this is what the opportunities are for you to make those. Um, but, yeah, I don't take too much into consideration because, you know, defenses are going to be completely different once the season starts. And I, I better than anybody can test that. I, you know, my, my preseason skills are, you know, they rank up there. If there's, hall if there, of fame preseason. If there's player. a hall of fame for the preseason. <laughs> I'm a different kind of bust in that thing. Right. Um, but when the regular season starts, right, it is defensive coordinators are amazing in that league. They are as good as you get in terms of how they prepare, especially for, rookie quarterbacks, guys who are learning a new system, things like that. So, you know, you what you want, hopefully, from your defensive coordinator on your team is that they're giving them the, the hardest, most difficult looks 
uh, to prepare for. That's the defensive coordinator's job is to get their defense ready, of course, and then make your quarterback ready for what they're about to receive this season in the, in, in, when the season kicks off. Yeah, so in that same vein, so, you know, we were kind of talking about yesterday about the Patriots. Like, should me and other uh, New England fans be freaking out about all the kind of daily tweets about the offensive struggling and this, that, and and now Mac Jones and a lot of the starters are not playing tonight. Like, is that a big deal? Should we kind of freak out about that? Or, you know, we're still a month away, and let's just give it time. Yeah, I think just we're still a month away. Give it time. Let them play some preseason games. Also, if if Bill Belichick, who's arguably the greatest NFL coach ever, right? If he doesn't seem too concerned, right? Uh, if he's willing to keep these guys out because he got to keep them healthy, right? right? I think he might have a better understanding than any of us. I don't like the fact that it's that's been batted about and talked about uh, all through camp so far. I will say this. Once something that happens and, and, a, and a stone starts rolling downhill and gathering moss, like, yeah. I mean, it's, it becomes like a freight train sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, then, the, then it's just hyperbole and it's just bash 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 i mean last year at this time jamar chase was the worst pick in the world because he couldn't, he couldn't catch he couldn't hold on to the ball that's right remember that <laughs> isn't that amazing tj yeah, i right? totally forgot about that yeah it was last like oh, jamar chase can't catch he can't catch he's dropping passes mm. gloves no gloves hands whatever and then the dude's like the plays best. in the last game of the season <laughs> you know Offensive rookie of the he year. He took every ball to the house like last year. He's so good. Yeah, I mean, so let's, you know, let's just remember, if, if you're looking for anything, you know, and, and this is not just self-deprecation, but just, you know, just check out the Ryan Leaf stats in the preseason, all right? You know, I think we went, uh, I want to say my rookie year, I think we went maybe went 4-0 and in the preseason, you know? So I beat Steve Young. I beat Dan Marino. In the preseason? Oh, yeah. That is amazing. Oh, here we go. Hold on a second. I'm just trying to look for these. Uh, maybe not Dan Marino. I'm trying to think of who we played. Jake Plummer. Steve Young, Jake Plummer. Um, where did we go on the road my rookie year? I think we went to, I think we went we're to home. Tennessee. We were home against. That was, that was during the regular season, though. Oh, okay. We were, in the preseason, we were home against St. Louis. Todd Light. I remember Todd Light as a safety there. I think I ran a touchdown. Um. Maybe Minnesota. Maybe we went to Minnesota my rookie year. Those may have been my four preseason games in 1998. Uh, I can't find the, I can't find this. Yeah. Uh, well, I've I've had them hidden until <laughs> until one day when I can break the them out. When people are starting to think, when people are really kind of starting to, I don't remember Ryan Leaf as a football player. I I just bring out the preseason stats. Then. <laughs> you know, Chris, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was driving. Right. I was thinking about you, Ryan, and. Something about, you know, you did your podcast bust, right? And people love to throw around a bust word to athletes who they don't feel, you know, their their careers turned out the way it was expected. But no one ever really takes into consideration the amount of work that it took for you even to get to that point. So there's a bunch of people out here, right, who might say you, Jamarcus Russell, anyone, who, you know, Greg Oden, people whose careers didn't pan out for various reasons and they want to call them a bust, but not even giving credit to what it took to get to that point. Like you were better than 120% of the people of anyone who ever used that word to describe you, right? All these guys who may not have turned out to be as great or as good as we thought they would be, you, you got to still give some type of respect to what it takes to get to that level. It's not easy playing quarterback is hard making a professional sport is hard to get to that point should be celebrated and yet we always want to kind of knock people down a peg or two because it didn't turn out the way that we thought it was going to turn uh yeah it was uh and i think for the longest time um i was beat over the head by it so much that i forgot to recognize that you know how hard it is chris to be the number two pick in the nfl draft Dog, like it wasn't number one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Could have been. <laughs> I'm just you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know how tough that is. The number two pick. Like, come on. No, I, 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 I think there's been a. Uh, I think, first off, calling the the podcast that, um, I think is kind of uh, ingenious. Yeah, it's a way to own, take ownership of take that. Take ownership yeah. of it too. But it's kind of like when Brian Bosworth back in the day. Uh, you know, things started going sideways and he started selling the boss sucks 
t-shirts outside the stadium right. and made a bunch of money off it, right? I, I mean, never knew that. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like that. Um, and I, it's taken me time to figure that out. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think most people are either, and I didn't realize this, like most people are either NFL fans or college football fans. There's, it's rare for, for a, a real mixture sure. of the two. Like I'm a unicorn in that. I mean, I love them both. Yeah. And I know about them both and I'm invested in both. But a lot of people are either NFL fans or college fans. So when my name is talked about, if you're an NFL fan, that dude is terrible. <laughs> that dude right. doesn't know how to play quarterback. Like we were talking about well, watching hard knocks last night and the motivation factor of the head coach, right? Uh, a lot of the feedback from people were like, you know, you know, Ryan Leaf was the least motivated person ever, right? And that's not true. But as an NFL fan, maybe they would look at that and go, oh, like the dude wasn't successful. must have been all these things. Where if you're a college football fan, you're like, that dude may be one of the best quarterbacks to ever play college football. Yeah. And so it's interesting to see the divide there and how you consume your football product. And I think for the longest time, the only thing I identified with was his failed NFL quarterback. So I even bought into it, right? And I think it did a, a huge part of how it affected my mental state and where I went ultimately. You know, I had... There was trauma probably behind it because um, I wanted to be successful. I of mean, course. are you kidding me? I wanted to be the best quarterback to ever play. Yeah, obviously. And I expected to be, you know, um, circumstances are, are what they are. You know, when, when things got tough, I, I couldn't cut it. And there aren't a lot of people that can. But I did it on a very public level, right? I, you know, I crashed and burned in front of everybody. And I was drafted along arguably the greatest quarterback to ever play in Peyton Manning. Um, and, and, and the way I crashed and burned, I think, you know, and then what happened after my career, right? The way I, I continued down that path. So I, I understand it. It's, it's nonsense. You know, if, if the word bust is a, uh, if it's defined, the definition should read individual had uh, a ton of expectation was drafted very high and, did not meet those expectations. That's, I guess that's where you could, you could define the word, but the word has been so, um, is become such a toxic word, right? They yeah. they use it as a slight, yeah. Yeah. like, you know, this is a punch to your gut when in reality it, it doesn't have that much meaning because a lot of expectation on me, of course, didn't live up to those expectations. Um, and therefore, that word is attached. Doesn't mean I was a bad football player. Doesn't mean I didn't work hard. Doesn't mean that I um, wasn't interested in being great. I just didn't have the success that people assumed I would have. So I get it. Um, uh, Mike just whispered in my ear there that um, the two road games that year, and how did I forget this? My rookie year, we went to Indianapolis and played Peyton. We, oh, the preseason? Uh, we, we rocked him 33-3, to three, I think, uh, or something like that. <laughs> That's amazing. You know? Um, we beat the Rams at home. We beat um, the 49ers at home. And then we went on the road to Indianapolis and Minnesota. That was my rookie year. And I, cause I remember going to Minnesota now because my family has a bunch of relatives in Minnesota. And I, and I had so many people there. And so... Little uh, little uh, recap of uh, the rookie preseason Bringing for Ryan back sweet memories. Wow. All right, uh, when we come back, I want to revisit some of our draft day analysis <laughs> when I hosted this show and talk about it a little bit. All right, accountability. You're on the Rich Eyes and Show. I'm Ryan Lee filling in for Rich. We'll be right back. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The sleep number, sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Ryan Leaf here, filling in for Rich alongside TJ Jefferson, uh, Michael Del Tufo, and Chris Brockman. All right, so uh, TJ brought an interesting uh, idea to me a couple days ago. Uh, Looking back at, uh, I've hosted uh, the draft day coverage uh, here on the Rich Eisen Show over the last two years. Uh, and when some of the decisions were made uh, at the time and, and, and whether or not I felt like that they were the right choices made. Uh, I think we pulled uh, a few from two drafts ago uh, around a few players that I thought would, uh, that they, they may, have, may have made a, uh, a, a bad choice. Yeah. I wasn't big on the wide receivers. Right. I've, I've fl- I'm willing to take a, a huge L here with, with the wide receivers <laughs> because of where I saw the market go where the market went this year. So if you can get one in the first round and get them on a rookie contract for that length of time, I'm all in. We'll see if it works out for in terms of the bag. Now, the, the running backs in the first round, I still don't get. Najee Harris was pretty darn good, guys. Really Very good. good. Really good. Really good. But guess what? That team needed to build the offensive line, right? I think they could have found a running I think feel like they could have found a running back later in the draft. And been better up front. And that would have been different for this team. Not only for the quarterback, but also running the football. I mean, Najee ran his head into the back of their their backs a ton last year. He just... I mean, how many carries did he have? How many touches did he have? Like, a mountain. A lot. Full. Hold on, I'll get you a number. In a right? So He I, said I, he wants 500 this year, Ryan. He called in a few weeks ago. We we're like, bro, you don't. No, you, you, don't. you really don't. He had 307 <laughs> carries. And 74 catches, so that's what, quick math, 381 total touches last year. Wow. Big number for a rookie. So, I mean, I mean, they investing a first-round draft pick in that, it sounds good because of the amount of touches and the importance to the offense he was, whether that team would have had any success without him. Maybe that, that, that may be the difference maker in, in whether my whether my my analysis on that was. I just, I, I, I would not invest... Uh, a first round pick in running backs. That's just that's just how I, as a general manager, go about their business. So let's throw those back up there again. I want to take a look at uh, the Devonte Smith one. Um, I thought he was. I thought he came along pretty well last year. He 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 didn't have the impact. Let's say Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle did, but they did get to the playoffs. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. They did do something that that Miami wasn't able to do. Um, I like both of those players. I would argue this, and th- and people can come back to me on on the Jamar Chase one. If Panay Sewell was on the offensive line, does Aaron Donald get to the quarterback on the final play of the Super Bowl? If, now, if the, Penny Sewell's on the line, do they make the Super Bowl? That's the bigger question. Yeah, if Jamar Chase year. isn't on that team last year, say no. I would argue that 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 they wouldn't. Yeah, right. Right. So this is like pigeonholing one, picking one aspect of it. But um, would you rather have Panay Sewell and then whatever, or would you rather have Jamar Chase? And then the way they rebuilt the offensive line this past offseason. I think we'd all choose the latter. I th- uh, yeah, it, with with hindsight, seeing how great Jamar Chase right, is. Right. And also, they took a guard. They took uh, Jackson Carmen in the second round with their second pick last year. So they did follow that up with a guard right after they took Chase. I, I agree. But I think, as we've seen and, and see some of the wide receivers who got paid this year, Debo Samuel, uh, uh, and uh, A.J. Brown, guys that got picked in the second round, right? Mm-hmm. Things like that. There could have been a wide receiver for the Cincinnati in the second round, and they could have Panay Sewell in the first. Right. And maybe maybe Joe Burrow's the catalyst and all that. Not to take anything away from Jar Chase, exceptional player. Joe Burrow is the straw that stirs that drink for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I have completely flipped my script in terms of where you go wide receiver in the first round now because of the rookie contract and what we saw this offseason in terms of what the market became. Like that, it, it, I can't believe the amount of money that's being spent on some of these wide receivers. Um, so if you can find them in the first round, let's see what let's see again what Tennessee does, what Kansas City does, and what Green Bay does this year because they let they let the star receiver go for big money and went and tried to invest in the draft. So we'll see. All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to speak with Rick Stroud all about the Tampa Bay situation 
and Tom Brady and what's going on down in South Florida when we come back. Right. Um, you know, another thing you, you spoke about Najee and should the Steelers have gone offense? Well, he was the 24th pick. Another lineman or a lineman didn't get drafted until the 37th pick after him. So maybe they just simply well, took the, the best, best player. player available right. because that's a lot of picks between, you know, linemen here. So maybe they just, you know, nobody was worthy of that, that first round great. Well, the first round is so interesting to me because of how important it's become, right? So I think in that instance, with what they were going to be able to do at the running back position and how he contributed, I feel like they could have found that somewhere else. Um, and what they needed was an offensive line men to, to, come, to come in and bolster that offensive line. So I, I'm still of the mindset, um, I'm really... As a fan, I'm really thrilled that we got Najee Harris and, and how great of a player he is, right? That's that's big time for me. Um, but uh, the Travis Etienne pick, of course, I mean, the Urban Meyer, they get Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. I love Travis Etienne, and apparently you're going to love him too for your dynasty. Let's go. Uh, fantasy. Yeah, I was big on him but last that year. But that was a huge loss for them last yeah. year that where, where it could have went somewhere else in terms of – I mean, Urban Meyer and that team, they were not going to have success, so – you could probably chalk up all of last year as to complete waste and where would we go forward now, right? And so, you know, you'd like to maybe have a, a player that, that will contribute down the line, and I think Travis Etienne's going to be that guy. I just don't know if you – if you, I, I'm sure you could have got him in the second round if you wanted to take take the second – well, they had the, they had the first overall pick in the second round too, right? Yeah, right. right. Took I Tyson mean, Campbell. I mean, Javante Williams was there, so they could have – Yep, and we've, Perhaps and we've heard about that, and we talked yeah, to we talked to Andy earlier, and he he he's, he likes him in Denver, right? Yeah, he I thinks think he can have a big year. I agree with him uh, there as well. So um, exciting times um, um, around around me being um, told I was wrong here on the Rich Eisen show, <laughs> well, which we it, love. You know, the thing is, Ryan Rich's big thing is he he went back and he corrected his "Don't trade for your honest take." And we're kind of big on accountability here, and I know you're big on accountability. So when I came across that a few weeks ago, I was like, "Yeah, Ryan has to address this." Yeah, and he did. Yeah. I, I knew you would. You you man up. You we're know, not, we're not, we're, yeah, but we don't. We don't you know how many, time, you know how many times I've been wrong in my analysis work over the last six years, guys? Thirteen, maybe? more than I've been right. <laughs> when we come back. Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times is going to join us here on the Rich Eisen Show.